This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks. I have the pleasure of having Mark Cohen, a friend of mine, for almost 10 years when we uh, when we started tinkering around with some things in the uh, in the boutique fitness industry together under a, uh, a brand that's now on the bench somewhere, probably. Uh, but uh, you've been a uh, industry veteran. You've helped a lot of companies strategically, operationally, operating under Mark Cohen Fitness, which I mean, I guess that URL was available. <laughs> Might as well go with the brand you've created, which is yourself. So yeah. welcome to the show, Thanks. and uh, let's talk about what's going on in the industry. Appreciate it. Awesome. So why don't you give your background uh, so people understand uh, you know, that you've got credibility from all the things that you've done, and then we'll talk about you know, what the current events are and sure. what you think the big metrics are. So yeah, I'm, I'm actually a long-time industry guy. I came out of school with a degree in sports medicine with emphasis on economics. I thought I was going to change the world and, and create fitness accessible for everyone and got obviously punched in the mouth with the reality that what people wanted and how they were prepared to consume it were different things. Mm -hmm. So uh, over, over the years, I came to New York um, and, and sort of short form became the vice president of uh, training for David Barton Gym. And we had to take it through a national expansion. And in, in a way, we had to basically build out all the structure from start mm -hmm. to finish. And that became the sort of the template for the rest of my career. Because at that point, once you learn how to build something and then you understand the fundamentals of keeping something going uh, and training people to do that, you can apply that across different settings. And that's actually where you and I met mm -hmm. was when I had stepped away to see, you know, in different platforms. I worked with Camp Shane. I worked with the company you and I worked for mm -hmm. to see different um, areas in the industry where this way of thinking could be sort of proofed out. Mm -hmm. uh, came back in. I worked with uh, Focus Integrated Fitness and became the director eventually of BFX Studios, which got rolled back up into TSI. Sure. And when that happened, I launched, uh, I guess, my consulting round two gotcha. in 2016. Got it. So from, from a standpoint of um, when, when you go into potential clients and they, you know, they might say, hey, I've got an issue with you know, my personal training, but, but you really kind of go in there and diagnose, well, it's actually not a personal training issue. It's actually you've got a, a training issue related to selling memberships or like you, you're, you're not sure. marketing properly. So talk about some of like the takeaways of, of that you've seen or like clients that you've worked with to say, here's kind of where this consulting, you know, me parachuting in almost like, you know, the, that show, the profit, you know, on CNBC or, you know, somebody like that to come and say, look, I've seen this a hundred times. Right. Like, let me tell you exactly what the issues are here and how we're going to fix them. And it might not be intuitive to what you think it is. Like there's a bigger problem where there's like, you know, there's a smaller problem. Sure, right? So I, I approach it very much like you'd approach a new training client. Mm -hmm. You know, it's easy to write up a program for a non-human being, but when they're sitting in front of you, you then have to sort of diagnose, say, listen, you know, you're looking for things that are counterintuitive. You need to be able to explain a little bit more why. And the whys typically lack in these situations. There's most positions, most issues come from emotional responses, mm -hmm. and there's not necessarily using the clear data. So getting them to understand what they're looking at, getting them to learn to grow as using the, the assets and the tools and the team that they have is essential. And if a team doesn't see that, there's no, you, you can give them all the answers to the problems. It doesn't, it's like giving someone, uh, someone's behind a bad tree. They, they hit the ball there and they're, they're in the woods and they're just screaming at you. They just want an answer for getting out of the trees. That's all they need if they could just get out from behind the tree. Mm -hmm. And you're sitting there going like, you're not supposed to be behind the tree. <laughs> got it 
So when, when you take a look at, um, you know, some of the biggest issues here, I mean, from, from my standpoint, sales and marketing, you know, this is a sales and marketing engine. And I think a lot of people that got into the boutique fitness space more recently, you know, were kind of like building almost like um, the equivalent of like a boutique jewelry store. Sure. You know, they go, okay, this looks awesome inside. You know, we don't really need to do much, but th there's like a DNA to selling memberships. And maybe you can just kind of talk about what kinds of people need to be doing that, what kind of training they need to have, you know, how you think about the sense of urgency to sell. Oh my gosh. Well, really, <laughs> that, that became really loaded because you're right. There's um, the sales and marketing aspect of any organization is important and you need to be able to speak directly to how you got the leads that you've gotten. You mm -hmm. can't get lucky. It has to be a formula. You need to know how to go back to it. I think what you've seen in the boutique industry was that the genesis point of this was the sales funnel. Someone understood innately how to use human behaviors and how to understand to get like, let's get three clicks. And then you mush that with where group exercise has been for the longest time, which was to say, we want a sense of community and, and we're all gonna be a team. And the whole boutique movement just became a, an optimization of technology and this sort of you know, uh, connection. Mm. And it outpaced the standard sort of, I guess, gym way of thinking, which was so dominant that the, the equipment manufacturers were so dominant that and the apparel companies were the same apparel companies for 20 years. And then boutique comes in and has to shatter those norms and is taking their cues from the fashion industry. They're taking their cues from the hotel industry, as we know some mm -hmm. of our friends have. And I think the consumer benefited from that, except for the fact that a lot of times it's more palatable now. They like it more, but the, there's not a lot of juice behind it, right? It's just like, well, let's grab something that we know we can put a package around. And when I'm consulting, I'm looking in those terms because I have to acknowledge the fact that you can't pretend that buying habits aren't what they are. You can't have a product that's hard for people to understand. And you're expecting your sales force to educate everyone involved. Mm -hmm. that, that to me sounds like that's a strategy you have behind closed doors and say, this is going to take time. That is not something I want to be doing every day. And that I think you see a lot of. There's still a lot of Band-Aid over the problem, not really being able to think globally. And I think we're gonna see more mergers as we go this year, where companies have figured out, because I think over the last couple of years, everyone had a project in the fire, right? Everyone was gonna like do everything. Mm -hmm. You know, we're gonna have the best sales, we're gonna have the best marketing, everyone's gonna love us. And now they're going like, look, let's just go find a brand who's figured it out. Right. Let's go find these marketing people, these online, online advertising doesn't work for everybody. Private mm -hmm. training is a very different product than group. And so understanding your business, understanding your, your client flow, your optimization, your automation, you know, how well can it be deployed in the field? These are just questions that, again, when you're not having a quick conversation like this, they need to be answered. And uh, having the bandwidth sometimes to do that can be tough, admittedly. Yeah. So when you look at a, um, you, you meet with a, a new studio operator or a, a health club operator, in my case, you know, somebody has a 15,000 square foot facility and they're telling me that they get, you know, 30 to 40 new membership sales a month. And I'm like, you, you're like, you got, you need some rocket fuel on this thing. And like, that's not something you can tell me, but that's not something that you should be proud of. And it's not something that like right. shows that you're actually investing. Telling me why that's working for you is not the answer, right? Yeah, like yeah, that's not, I mean, that's not where you're going to be. You're all, you're answering it away. So let's go find out why is it there? Yeah. Cause a number of people say, well, my advertising expense, I'm like, well, is your advertising and marketing investment? Because it's not really an expense. Like it's actually a requirement in order to get 
get people in the door. One of the key pillars. Uh, you, if you have, you have, say, three or four, one is going to be the actual product and operations of it. Mm -hmm. One is going to be your build-out costs and construction to make sure you didn't rent, those kinds of things. Your marketing funnel, and lastly, is your hiring and development. Mm -hmm. You have to have all four of those avenues really pegged um, before you can hope to have success. Yeah. So when you look at uh, somebody who's a you know one or two studio or one or two health club operator, there's no way that they could bring on director marketing, director training. So how do you? Obviously, they could bring you on to say, okay, here's you know what you could set up. But you know, how do you tell yeah. those people, look, you're either got to grow or you got to like get become part of a franchise or you know what what do you think some of like the solutions are well being I, undersized i think first is to sort of ha have an understanding of the total strategy where are you trying to go to your point are we trying to franchise grow sell you're going to keep these units and then looking at where you are with your resources and then identifying the plan to change that. You can't, you're not gonna be able to launch with full marketing capabilities and everything else. So what are the essentials of the product? How can you, you know, create simplicity? And then where are you gonna go ahead and draw funding down? Is it something, you know, everybody in their head starts with self-funding or they have this disillusion that there's some, or this illusion that someone's gonna give them a bunch of money and just take them away from it all. And I'm like, it's neither. So you're gonna have mm -hmm. to figure out how to get from here to the point where you've extracted yourself from the operation, where things can really run smoothly, and then you now have a real business, mm -hmm. and then that business can be scaled, profitable, sold, whatever you wanna go do with it. But you better get your foundation straight because otherwise you're gonna be selling people a story, and eventually that's gonna catch up to you. Yeah, so when you go in and you see somebody, let's just take this example of you know doing 40 you know new memberships a month and probably losing 35 or something, you know, and kind of just saying like, I'm hustling, I'm doing as, as best I can. How do you come in and basically like try to educate someone on like, this is, you need the DNA, your DNA might not be in sales and marketing and maybe you shouldn't be in this business or it needs to be. It's accounted for uh, like, yeah. it, you know, it's, you're not the first person to struggle with it and you don't need to go out of business because you're not good at it, but you need to identify that and come up with your plan. Right. And that's what I'd like to be a part of. Right. So I'm not suggesting I'm a solution for anyone. What I'm just suggesting is that you got to come up with a plan, whether that's bringing someone in or just creating a, a different marketing scheme that becomes, you know, and then how you're going to use that to your point as an investment to get where you're going to go, mm -hmm. not just throwing money at an endless hole. Uh, obviously, we're talking about CRM and those are things there. Right. And again, that to me, that comes back to like, what are your best practices? What are you deploying? You know, there's obviously a lot of automation that can be done. What's the stance of your company? Do you have some kind of weird manpower heavy version of CRM that you're running and it's not working for you? But again, I just think when you start unpacking where they are, they tend to be able to get themselves to the right answer. Cause they'll realize the, I remember 10, 20 years ago, I was talking with somebody and he had made a lot of weird decisions and it just turned out like he just had bad people under him. Mm -hmm. And when he came up with a strategy for not changing the people, but how he deployed things, he had a ton of success. So a lot of times it's, uh, it's not scrapping everything to your point, it's changing perspective and then bringing in the people or trying to create some sort of network for them to get the resources. And depending on the size of the company, that can be easy or difficult. Mm -hmm. So let's flip over to the, uh, to the operation side and to the, the boutique studios and some of the metrics that, that we've been looking at, you know, is more like an airline where every time you got a class, you know, it's basically like the equivalent of a JetBlue flight from New York to okay. Fort Lauderdale. And it's like, okay, I got an X number of, Seats on the plane, I got X number of spots to fill, and you don't see a flight on JetBlue with uh, 
you know, two pilots and, and, you know, eight flight attendants or, you know, whatever names the stewardess or steward stewards, mm -hmm. you, you see two and you see like, you know, maybe two to three because they're looking at, Hey, what's my payroll cost? What's my fuel cost? What's my load capacity? You know, how, how do you kind of break down for people? You know, one, maybe they're on too much class pass and they don't know it, you know, so their revenue per visit is, is the issue or it's like, Hey, you've got this awesome experience, but you've got way too many people, you know, may, way too many trainers on the floor. You know, how, how do you kind of go in there and like gently or directly say, hey, look, let me tell you where like the, 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 the costs are and here's what your revenue should be and this is not normal. Yeah, so uh, that, that's the first part, right, is, is where the costs are, what's normal, understanding the data. So it's breaking down what our capacity is and then wh where is our usage on that. So how much total people can we have in a space at any one given time and then what's our ability to, to drive to that number? And then obviously if you want to even take it a step further, it would be is like are we getting the right price per head in that, you know, for the time slots and everything else. And there's a lot of software and technology that can plug in and create surge pricing and things of that nature. That's all mm -hmm. sort of going to come and continue to come. But I think in, in looking at Tone to make sure that, I guess, once you've sort of committed to the model and you're in business, like if you're a boxing studio, you're a boxing studio. I think me coming in and telling you to become a spin studio is a little crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you're just not going to listen to that. I don't, I don't even care if it's right. So I think when you start to look at like, well, what are the tools that you have operationally? How many people can you fit in this space? Can you change that through your layout? Are there ways that you can move people through the space more effectively? We see a lot of circuits right now, obviously a lot of zones, a lot of people, you know, moving in little segments and teams. You're able to obviously get way more people into a space if they're working in that way. But again, you still got to go take that class. You got to go see that experience because a lot of times you'd be like, they're able to put a ton of people in here. The model fleshes out. They're able to get a lot of leads into the class, but they can't keep people worth a dang because the experience is just not right. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, you have companies who are throwing a lot of people at the problem. Like, look, it's experience driven. Let's throw more people, more touch points. We'll make sure we're saying hi to everybody. Well, in personal training, we learned a long time ago, you needed to learn how to speak with people, but you are not going to renew people with a whole bunch of excessive hellos. And it was going to drain the company. Hmm. So how can you use technology to make sure that their experience is seamless and where you're using people is appropriate? And again, you're gonna, it's going to become a situation where it's going to come from the ground up. Someone probably who's limited on staff is really just going to figure out good ways to use these tools together and avoid some of the trappings of getting too cheeky, I think, operationally mm -hmm. to try to create a unique selling position. Um, but there's no doubt you need something for sure. Yeah. So you spent five years, David Barton, which is probably known as one of the largest, you know, personal training, grossing entities, sure. you know, in history of the, of the health club industry. So what are some of the takeaways or what are some of the things that you either put in place or or had, you know, besides just the, you know, the, the, I get the, the highs and hellos is not going to get yeah, you, obviously. No, 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 no. Was okay. there like a script? But was it, there it a... Was, no, it's a, good, it's a good point, right? So a lot of this sort of comes stems from that experience. Yeah. I'll say one is you targeted the right client. Like we were speaking to people who really wanted to look better, people who wanted to be in the gym, people who really wanted to use a trainer. And when they got to us whether they decide to use the trainer or not, like they came in understanding that that's what we thought was in everyone's best interest. So it was a culture of that everyone should be using a coach. And then mm -hmm. from the team's perspective, coaching them to say, there's somebody in front of you 
they're relying on you to, to create change. And our job is to get them there, whether they're here once a week or five times a week. You're supposed to listen to people and help them. So I want you to just be honest. Mm -hmm. And if Pete needs to come in six days a week, tell him. And then find a way to get where he is. But at the same time, let's not lie and say, yeah, once a week, I'll get you to look like Brad Pitt in Fight Club. It yeah. wasn't going to happen. And I think it was those two mutual things, the staff understanding their mission. Mm -hmm. And then from a sales and marketing flow, going and having a really effective campaigning to be about something specific, to make something cool and drive people in the door. He did an amazing job at that. And structurally, I'll say having training memberships was really helpful because the instead, EFD yeah, of well, it's not even so much that it was the fact that um, when you trained with the trainer, you didn't pay for the membership. So when you talk about having a great selling tool for at that point, a very traditional sales force, they were mm -hmm. selling people were selling it. It was a great message for them. It made sense. I, I didn't I wasn't interested in your gym membership. I really wanted you to have results. And if you were willing to train with me at a frequency that I thought improved those odds, why wouldn't I get more in with that? Right. And so I think David had kind of come upon that. I sort of pushed to reinstitute it and really kind of just install it. And uh, that really helped. And then we just worked on doing a better job at understanding our consumer and setting them up with the appropriate experience. And now you're automating that. You're not using a salesperson anymore. You're going to have an entry form maybe on your website. It's going to tell you about this person. Mm -hmm. And that's going to direct them to the class or the individual that you think they should be going with. And, and you know, you're going to cut down a huge expense in every company. You'll be able to put that back into whether that's more marketing mm -hmm. or hopefully more maintenance for your facility. I feel like... Um you know, people collect this information at the point of sale, but I don't feel like they really use it to say, okay, wh like what's the, whether it's like an algorithm to say, hey, Mark's the best person or no, or David's the best Agreed. personal trainer. Cause like, it looks like both of these, these guys as an example, played uh, soccer together or they went to the same school or they, you know, have the same hobbies. They both like the giants. Like, I feel like sometimes clubs are getting this information, but not really using it and stopping. No like question. I was, I was, at, I was standing in my office the other day and uh, I was looking out the window and someone's like, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm thinking, you know, I just want to think for a second. Like I'm actually not doing anything except just thinking. So like, how did you, how did you like, or how do you think about, or how do you tell people like, look, it's great that you collected data and it's great that you can like share it with me, but you actually have to like use this shit on like a daily basis and like understand what it means. And then also like use it to like, Connect dots. <laughs> yeah. First off, thinking is, is, is a very underrated experience, I think, in right. our world. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of getting information and sitting on it. Like, yeah. I, I need to digest it and work my way through it um, because we're trying to come up with solutions. So I think first and foremost, I think you just, yeah, you've got you've to see this information. You've got to be able to think about it. And a lot of times people just weaponize it, right? You're going to take whatever number or data point you can and say, this is what I think, because you're trying to, again influence something. And again, that's going to come back to, you know, what's the mission purpose? What are you trying to do there? Now, now with that, think about this data. That's where, so what does it mean when, you know, we have people who are coming in and, and uh, to your point, they have similar likings to, to so-and-so or so-and-so, or how can we, you know, I always ask, like, don't ask a question that you don't need an answer for. It's just, it's obnoxious. So if you're going to ask a 20 question quiz, you better use all 20 of those points. That's a great. Who, you know, it's think about like the instructor who asks you about your injury at the beginning of class and doesn't come over to you afterwards. And who, who's connected to that injury in the long term? Nobody. <laughs> so stop kicking up those rocks mm -hmm. and saying, okay, these are the things that we think are most fundamental. Right. Drawing those down to something where you've probably used some data to support that. Mm -hmm. um, I was speaking, I was met with uh, Adam Greenfeld, right? 
Greenberg, uh, nootropics guy. Yeah, sure. And, and, and the, the way that they were able to condense sort of some information, come up with sort of a concise sort of this, we think these kinds of things are really, really better. I go, you know, that's what you always come into. Mm-hmm. Like the, the choices are infinite. But when you have experience and you try things out, you start to realize that most of these, you know, these handful of things are going to work more often than not. Mm-hmm. And again, I think it gives people some confidence to go, okay, we can do that. We can look at the data in those terms. Yeah. When you take a look at um, somebody at a small studio and they sent us all the data and I came back and uh, told them what the situation was with like why their drops were out of whack and, you know, terminations and this and that. And then I stopped and I said, instead of listening to what the data says, why don't you just fucking listen to what the member says? Yeah. Like, I feel like that there's like this disconnect between almost like, I, I like the term that you just, just stated, I'm going to use it if that's okay, weaponize the data. I like that. Where like they kind of get so ingrained in like what the numbers say and what the Excel outputs oh, their are. Mission. They, so they're just going to, they're going to create like, confirmational bias with those numbers. They're going to be yeah, like, okay, look, this well, is what's important. And you're like, it, it, why don't I just go into the location, like talk to everybody and like get it, like, what is the, what's the pulse or what's the situation? It's, like, it's the balance of those two things, yeah. right? So I don't want to make decisions on my site visits. It's dangerous because I could be misled by what my eyes just showed me. Hmm, interesting. But okay. it, it's going to tip me off. I, I can see when trainers are slouching and salespeople are just kind of chatting with each other and the front desk is asleep. I, I can already know where to go with the data. So now when I look at that data, it's sort of reinforcing things. And, and conversely, especially with a smaller company, I, I was talking to some investors who were looking at making a large purchase, about 15, 20 clubs. And I said, well, look, here's the thing, is that if you're going to move on this, on this position, and I can tell you now that about 10 or 20 of these clubs easily could be controlled by two or three different people. And if what you're seeing right now is returns by these two or three fantastic employees, you could be getting hoodwinked right now. You need to know like, what is fundamentally this company's position? Like, what, mm. what are they responsible for versus like, who are these key players? And you obviously can flip that and say, hey, in a negative, do you have the wrong people in? I, I think it's important to remember. It's not just what you see. It's the data. It's not just the data. It, it's what you see. Yep. And be mm-hmm. leery of someone who's trying to like sway you one way or the other. Mm-hmm. F- flipping into like somebody who, uh, you know, maybe got into the industry, uh, feels overwhelmed, you know, didn't put the right amount of capital on a balance sheet, doesn't do marketing. You know, how do you, what, what, what's your response to, to basically telling someone like, um, shut it down? I was just going to say, like, you know, <laughs> you know I, I was like, like okay. I, I didn't know if it was, I thought it was a setup because I was like, okay. I'm like, I'm like, you're supposed to shut that no, down. No. Like, I mean, it's like restaurants okay. close every fucking day. No, it's okay. All right, cool. It's That's like, what they I, don't have to exist. I thought you were going to try to ask me how to like get them out of the hole. Cause I was <laughs> no, like, no, 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 no. I, mean, I, I don't guess do that. maybe like t- talk for a minute, just given your background to say like, look, you know, maybe there's not a spot for this or maybe like the rent's too yeah. high or. No, I'm, I'm mean. I'm, yeah, I'm really, really, really mean and direct. All right. It's great. I'm glad we saved it to the end so we can just hook people into the podcast without them getting you know pissed at you and it's me. no it's and it's you know I, like you know you know it's their baby but like yeah you're not an idiot you're sitting across from me you're having this conversation and you've seen your product every damn day and i'm sitting here right so you, you already didn't know come in an- here for growth you, you came in here for me to tell answer. you that I'm, what the doctor right. says so i'll talk to you a little bit about some ways to like buy you some time like what's going to be the strategy but there's nobody going to start selling you and like you're going to turn this thing around you and johnny are just gonna you know and i and you know i've had a conversation with a with an owner and was that kind of a situation i said if you stepped away for six months this will be gone 
Mm-hmm. And I said, you know, because he, in essence, he turned into that diner owner who was working, you know, 65 hours a week to keep the place afloat. Can't mm-hmm. even get rid of his business because no one's going to step in and do 65 hours to make it work. And that's what we talk about. If you do not, from the start, learn how to extra, you know, extract yourself from the day-to-day operations from this, you're not in business. You're like me. You're just an independent contractor floating around. Right. Like, you know, whatever. I, don't, I can't sell me any more than you can sell that. Right. Yeah, I think it's important for people to understand, look, if I go and buy a McDonald's, like that thing better make money, right? I mean, like that that's a that's an operation that's been proven. It's tried and true. Like there's metrics and a scorecard and a playbook. But if you're starting up your own fitness studio or your own new gym hybrid, like you are doing an experiment. You better be saying that you know something that everybody else doesn't. Yeah, you're and, uniquely equipped to pull this yeah. off for a reason. I and mean, I, we already know the odds are against you. So how an adult can look in the mirror and go like, yeah, but not me. You just have to, why? Yeah. And also, like, if you're, you know, if you have two or three locations and, and uh, you tell me that not any of those locations are the prototype and the next one's going to be the prototype, like, that's really hard capital to go and find when someone's like, you know, okay, you're kind of 0 for 3 and you kind of like, you know, we're bunted your way, you know, each time, you know, you still have three. I like at some point you got to like be true to yourself and not overly try to convince yourself that like there's this awesome opportunity that's going to modify change the business. At least not in a couple of years. It, you know, it's going to be about five years out because there's always a way to like for you to, you know, as long as you're not bleeding cash and, you know, you're just, you're just not effective. You know, then you're like, okay, like how, you know, how can we do this over time to get where we want to go? Yeah. And, and sometimes, I, actually, most of the time they're not interested because by the time they get to you, they're tired. Mm-hmm. They feel like they've been, they're looking for a partner. They're looking for some help. You know how that story goes. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm like, yeah, you and everybody else. And then that's when it comes and they look at me and they're like, well, would you be interested in, and I'm like, I've got to find a nice way to, to back down because you know, I'm not. I'm, I, I love everybody out there. I wish them nothing but the best. I want to help everyone succeed. Mm-hmm. I really believe in them. But my spidey sense is pretty strong at this point in my career. And I'm, I am an individual. So, like, I feel like that's my bonus to you is my honesty. Right. Right. Like, I live and die by everything I say. And so I'm invested in making sure that I get you the best information I possibly can. So when I tell you, hey, look, I don't think this is great or I really believe in this thing, I mean it. There's no fluff behind that. Yeah, that's great. What's the most important advice that you're giving to people today? Like as you go into a new relationship, like what are some of the things that are either like the, whether it's like Peloton and technology or whether it's marketing and sales or whether it's digital or. One is you better know your product. Don't ask me to define that for you Two, use structure, use structure, you know? So if you don't have your product and I'm not right and you're just guessing and you just want people to help you make a million dollars because you don't know what you're doing and I'm zero part of that. But if you love your, your thing, then let's put structure down now. Got let's it. not wait. And then how to balance. My experience with TSI taught me, like, they were so big. And they were always worried about scaling from day one. So much so that they did not take care of the things essential to launching. So to your point about, like, getting out of the box and having some underperformers and then no one wants to contribute is a great example of where I saw that. So I'd agree gotcha. to structure and making sure that you have a plan for marketing, hiring, construction and deployment. I mean, that's it. Great. So Mark, uh, you know, as you see over the next couple of years where, where the industry is going and, and, you know, we use our term halo, um, obviously you got a lot of investors that you've been meeting with who say, Hey, you know, what do you think of this? So 
kind of what's your crystal ball of, you know, who survives, not, not name, yeah. not name no, no, necessarily, no, no. but, you know, like kind of where do you see everything going? Yeah, I do believe it's going to condense. I do believe that the shift of the investment market has gone to like a little bit more proven models. There's enough stuff out there now to go find something that's got a little more traction before you get behind it. I think seed money is, is definitely drying up mm-hmm. as far as just overall. I don't, it's never going to be dry, but you know what I mean? It's not just going to be as thrown at it. And then there'll be a lot more condensing of ideas. There's going to be a lot more people involved on the deal side trying to see ways to sort of get through. And we started seeing it, I think, already in the sort of later part of this year. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think you're just going to see a lot more of that next year. And at some point, you'll see um, not just access to the general public, but the quality of what they're getting is going to improve. Because in in the rest of the country, outside of the coasts, um, it's a very different energy and vibe. And uh, they're a little bit, I think, left behind. And we'll see how that plays out in the next year or two. Gotcha. Great. Well, uh, good to reconnect with you. Thanks for being on. You as well, man. Thank you. Uh, Mark Cohen Fitness. We'll have his information up there if you need some help and you need an honest opinion. He's our guy. And uh, look forward to to looking at new business models with you and uh, trying to help people succeed. Thanks, Pete. Appreciate you guys having me. Awesome.